0: It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 31, and we're having fun.
1: On today's episode, we chat about visiting the world's most uncontacted tribe and an airport crab invasion. Grab your garlic butter and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out
0: there in the wild.
1: Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent.
1: G'day, Voyager! voyagers! voyagers.
0: And episode 31 of the Not So Bomb Voyage podcast, When shit goes wrong on the road. I'm Jules.
1: I'm Christine. And we're
0: back for another week, and we're having fun. We're having fun despite all these crazy times, but we're having fun. We're
1: having some lockdown fun, and the weather is finally getting better and better.
0: And better and better. We've been having some dance parties. We've been getting out for some walks. We've been keeping our social distance, of course. Of
1: course. Of
0: course. We're doing our part. We're definitely doing
1: our part. We're doing virtual champagne tastings and other fun stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's all happening. We haven't done any virtual travel, though.
1: No, we haven't.
0: Which I feel, I just, I don't know if I'm I'm there yet.
1: I'm not there yet. I just, I I don't know if I can get there. I hope I can.
0: I hope I can. I want to. We've been doing virtual uh, dance parties and festivals, which Mm -hmm. have been fun. Travel, I just, I need a moment. I need a moment.
1: Me too. I definitely need a moment. I mean, we're pretty hardcore travelers. So to go from regular traveling to virtual traveling, it just does not hit the same.
0: It doesn't. But, you know... We just we gotta we gotta get well we gotta put up with what we got for yeah, the moment. That's true. I mean there's what what else are we gonna do?
1: Well we're gonna sit in the backyard and read books. That's just what I've been doing.
0: And we're gonna tell you some amazing stories about when things are just crazy travel stories. Things that might even have you thinking about whether you actually want to travel anyway.
1: Mm, maybe they'll make you happy that you are staying home.
0: Oh they mm. and, and and if you're feeling bad about not being able to travel right now, just think that some of these people in our stories had a much worse time when they were traveling. So to be Honest, you're probably just better off sitting on the couch watching Netflix.
1: We have been telling some really gnarly stories lately.
0: I have, I must give you a preview of mine. My story today is very gnarly as well. Okay. It doesn't, I'm just going to preface it that it doesn't have a happy ending. Okay. And I don't mean that somebody gets a special massage. I just mean (laughs) it doesn't have a happy ending, but it is probably, I actually probably haven't been this excited about telling a story in a long time. I found this fascinating. I remember the story when it happened. Hmm. I remember looking into it, but I never put the research in that I did today. I have been fascinated over the last week, and I've been very excited to tell this story.
1: Wow, you've really talked this up. The bar is set very, very yes. high. Well, you
0: know of this story, and okay. I, because 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 we've talked about this, but you don't you don't know the details of it. Which I don't is know how the four one one, and I didn't know until I did some research and I dove, dug, dove, dove. Doug, dug, dug, dive. Dive deep?
1: Dive, nose dive. Dug,
0: how would you say the past tense of far To area? dig
1: deep? No, no. You no, dug deep. Deep dive. You did a deep dive.
0: I dove deep. I that is exactly that. what I was trying to think of. Dove deep, man. Words we got are hard there today. In the end. Words are very hard today. Uh, just good like, thing we're
1: d- a recording a podcast. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> so 100% words.
0: Yes. <laughs> we don't have that much in the news. So, just like last week, we're going to jump straight into our, in our main stories.
1: We're going to do our in the news at the end of the episode.
0: If we have time. If we have time. Because I have a good one. Oh, okay. All do I, you want
1: to know what the title is?
0: If you've As got one, yeah. I
1: actually have a title. Here we it's go. It's called You've Got Crabs.
0: Oh, okay. And I really. my
1: new story is that I'm telling everybody that Jules has crabs. Okay. So,
0: well, we probably won't have time for that, guys, so <laughs> we've got to move on. Thanks a lot for joining us this week. And remember, stay safe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then you can, if we do have time or a limited time, you can go first. But I'm going to jump straight into my main story today because I'm that excited to tell it. I want to get it going. Here we go. You ready?
1: I am so ready. I was born ready to hear this story.
0: Okay. This story is called The Life of John Allen Chow. That's it. That's, I, I didn't want to put too much thought into it. <laughs> okay. So just as I said before, just a little, a little uh, warning that this story doesn't have a happy ending, uh, but it's a very interesting story, and I would love to hear people's thoughts on it, and yours as well, Christine, as you find out more about John Allen Chow. Hmm. He is a man born in 1991 in Alabama, USA. He was the youngest of three, and he was a very devout Christian and a trained wilderness EMT. Like, uh, you know what EMT is? Mm-hmm. like an Emergency.
1: medical, medical training tra- something? Traveler?
0: Traveler? No, well, maybe. <laughs> probably not. From a young age. Technician. Technician. I bet it's technician. It probably is. Probably. From a young age, John was encapsulated and fascinated by the tales of explorers like Robinson Crusoe and, you know, fake uh, f- fictional and non-fictional. Gulliver. Like- He loved the stories and the idea of exploring and traveling. As he got older, he developed a a deeper fascination for exploring and adventures and seeing the world, and he became quite an avid traveler. He enjoyed doing anything to do with traveling and outdoor activities. He's a real outdoors guy. Mm. This is probably why he was a wilderness EMT. Mm. He liked to hike, to dive, kayaking, everything. Shop
1: at REI. Oh,
0: yeah. He, would have, Katagon, had, yeah. he would have had memberships there. He would have had all the tents, <laughs> all the special clips that he'd put on the his The hiking belt.
1: poles. Oh,
0: yeah. He would have had absolutely everything, the thermal sleeping bags. So he did a lot of stuff outdoors. In high school, he got his first taste of combining his two biggest passions, travel and God, when he went I on- I thought a- you were going
1: to say golf. And golf.
0: <laughs> and he went on a golf trip. Hmm. Uh, on Travel and God- when he went on an international missionary trip and he was sold. He's like, all right, this is my life's work. This is what I do now.
1: I'm uh, a missionary now. I'm a
0: missionary now. After high school, he went on to college. at. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background as to who this guy is because I think that it's important. The, the This story is sort of like a three-parter. There's like a small background now on him, on John Allen Chow. Then there's a little uh, – some history as to like how the story goes along. And then there's actually what happened, but it's all very, very interesting. Mm. So this is I'm wrapping up here. After high Take your school, time. Take yeah, your time. I mean, hey, we got nothing but time right now. <laughs> After high school, John went on to college at Oral Roberts University, which is an evangelical college that really loves the Bible.
1: So is that like a Christian situation, or? So
0: yeah, so I evangelical are like the fundamentalists.
1: They're like the people who sing on the TV, right? They're like that's a, very intense. That's a
0: televangelist. Oh,
1: televangelist.
0: Somebody, no, but so I had to, I, I didn't go too much into it, but I did see, so a televangelist is somebody I think who uses media, so like telly, mm-hmm. as in television, mm. who uses it to spread the word. Evangelicus, I think, are just um, very full on about it. Mm-hmm. It's like very, very um, traditional, mm. like to the Bible, okay. you know what I mean? Also, this university is called Oral Roberts, which is named after the person who founded it. His name was Oral. Mm. That was his first name, Oral. Wow. That took me a little while. That's really
1: unfortunate. That actually
0: took me off on a little bit of a tangent while I looked up who this guy was. What's
1: the origin of that name?
0: No idea. O-R-A-L. Just like you'd spell it, his name is Oral Roberts.
1: I thought you were going to say Orville Redenbacher. Yes. (laughs) He's the popcorn man. Yes.
0: (laughs) Very religious. So in his early, <laughs> I
1: mean that popcorn
0: is very good. Yeah, it's a holy experience. It's a holy experience. That was he's that he way. <laughs> yeah. So in his early twenties, John, while attending college, he developed like a real devotion and dedication to his faith. So he, I'm, I'm assuming it was very much enhanced by his time at the Evangelical University. But he was like full noise on God. He was like, "Bring it on, full throttle! Full Let's throttle, do this. Foot to the floor, Bible in hand. Pedals here we go!" The metal. With his love of Christianity and his love of travel, becoming a Christian missionary was kind of like a no-brainer for him because he loved to travel around the world and he loved to tell people about God. So, becoming a missionary was the next step. Two thumbs up! Two thumbs up! After finishing college, he continued to travel and do his thing. He he went to he went and did a lot of trips. I think he went around Africa. He did some things. And it was all leading him up to what he declared his life's purpose and his biggest mission.
1: Can I ask you a question? Yes. Was it more like a Jehovah's Witness kind of situation where they're in the cute little suits and they got the Bible and their door-to-door stuff, or is it more like Habitat for Humanity, I'm going to build you a house? I
0: think it's more of that. Okay. I think so. the guys so they're Mormons, aren't they? Mormons mm. in the suits,
1: yes, and I think the Jehovahs are also
0: the, the Jehovahs suit. as well. Yeah. yeah, so they're like a different branch. I think this is more just about
1: giving um, back.
0: Just oh, and slash just like the word slash, God, God it's is great. God is great. Very good. Jesus is King. Who's better? Jesus? I think it
1: has to be God, right? He's like the head honcho. Yeah, He's but the big then man.
0: Jesus is the word. So Jesus
1: is the word and he died for our sins. So there's that.
0: Do you, who's better? Like the one who created it or the one who died for it?
1: Oh, that's tough.
0: That's tough. I'm sure someone could answer it. This <laughs> is definitely not a religious podcast. And we will definitely not be debating that on today's episode.
1: We were probably we should probably just avoid that that debate. Yes, that, it's probably we, a hot topic.
0: Yes, we also don't know enough about it. So do you not know much we don't. At, at all. So okay, so let me just go back to this point because I was building up to my Sorry. Grand- no, no, sorry. no, it's okay. I was building up to my. Gr-
1: you know, I had to picture. I'm no, like, no, is no, this guy hey, in a white shirt with the tie or 100%. is he in like, you know, work pants?
0: And yeah, with cargo shorts and clips and, and stuff. Because like, like, he's an <laughs> outdoor. Yeah.
1: He's got like bungee clips hanging out. Yeah, everywhere. yeah, yeah. Cargo shorts with like 25 pockets.
0: Yeah. So what I was saying was after finishing college, he continued to travel, do his thing, all leading him up to his what he declared as his life's biggest purpose and his greatest mission to visit the world's most uncontacted tribe in the world. I know I said the world twice.
1: <laughs> you did say the world. And in tr- the universe. In on the planet universe. Earth.
0: And try to convert them to Christianity.
1: That's the ultimate mission, right?
0: So this story takes us to mid-November 2018, so what, like uh, 18 months ago? Yeah. When John was a 26-year-old young ambitious missionary on a mission. The location was the North Sentinel Island, which he called Satan's last stronghold on Earth.
1: Oh my God, that is so... Ethnocentric and degrading to the people who live there, but okay, carry on.
0: So now (laughs) you know. So that was part one. Now you know a little bit more about John and his mission. But before we move forward with his mission, I want to give you a little bit of a history of the North Sentinel Island and the Sentinelese people who live there because it is fascinating. You may have heard of these people before. You may have heard them by name, or you may have heard them on the news, but don't know much about them. They are. It's insane, the history of this. I know zero. So the Sentinelese people are the people who inhabit the North Sentinel Island, which is a series of islands. I guess, I think technically they're India. They're in the India's Bay of Bengal. They're mm-hmm. also called the Andaman Islands, which is the group of islands. But the North Sentinel Island is sort of to the northwest of the Andaman Island chain, it sits out there by itself. That's the North Sentinel Island. It is completely isolated from the outside world and it's often referred to as one of the most uncontacted group of uh, the people there the most uncontacted group of people in the world. Hmm. Which means that they have little they have absolutely zero contact with the modern world and they're living like they were for 10,000 years.
1: Is it because they're so far away from other islands that they or why have they become so isolated?
0: So I'll give you a little bit more about the history and it kind of starts to take shape a little bit, but they are geographically, they're obviously not near the main part. The Andaman Islands are in the Indian Ocean and so they are separate to where, like they're not just off the coast of India, for for example, Mm -hmm. like they're not like easy. So you have to go to the Andaman Islands, Andaman and Nicobar Islands, I think is a Island chain, mm-hmm. and then you would have to like go to North Sentinel. So it's not—it's nothing crazy. Like it's not completely out of reach of everything. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the here's a bit more history. Estimates range that there's anywhere between fifteen to five hundred people living on the island.
1: Fifteen to five yeah, hundred—that's so a really wide
0: range. So the lowest range I saw was fifteen. The highest was five hundred. Some people are thinking fifty to eighty is probably the medium maybe 150, they, they literally have zero idea.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: From the very little contact they've had with the people on the island and what they've seen, they know that they are hunter-gatherers, they live in thatched uh, huts, and they build basic canoes, uh, like outrigger canoes to fish in shallow waters. Mm-hmm. They hunt small game and such with bow and arrows and spears and knives. They gather fruits and berries with baskets they weave. They have their own dialect, but nobody's been able to communicate with them. Whoa. They've been largely left alone, even during periods of colonization. So, uh, India being previously colonized by the English. So, you think back to the old days, the Dutch, the Spanish, the English, um, you know, always sailing around, taking people's islands.
1: Uh, Ah, they're just taking whatever they want.
0: Doing their thing. So... um, but l- largely left alone. So they were kind of have been in limbo and were never, never sort of controlled or anything like that. I think maybe they just assumed there was not a- anybody even living on the island. There are historical accounts of boats being washed ashore and foreign invaders. And so that kind of set the scene for a lot of distrust of the local Sentinelese and the outside world.
1: Mm.
0: There were some attempts. Uh, in like the fifties and sixties by anthropologists to make contact mm-hmm. some were successful and others not so much, so mm-hmm. these are very i don 't say this in like a derogatory like but very primitive mm-hmm. tribe like they 're living very v- pretty much exactly exactly like they were ten thousand years ago or mm-hmm. five thousand years ago so they 're mm-hmm. extremely primitive they i mean i 'm not talking about a group of islands where some of the like they don 't have wi fi yet i 'm mm. talking these guys don't have anything.
1: No satellite, no cable.
0: This is exactly how people lived 5,000 years ago. Like, to the word. Like, there's there's no exaggeration. Like, these people are incredible. They don't know anything about them. They literally, they cannot visit the island.
1: Wow. Anthropologists must be having, like... Excuse my crudeness but like such a hard on for getting on that island <laughs> and doing research that's like the ultimate you know fascinating oh, culture to research 100%. untouched by so, ipods and
0: Yeah oh like completely 4G. So one anthropologist in particular I want to give him a shout out Thinok Nath Pandit I'm just going to call him Pandi Shout Pan, out Pandi Pandi was the main person I think he was he must have been Indian he was the main person leading uh, investigations to the island and the people So, during the 60s and 70s, I think he was the one trying to make contact. In 1974, Nat Geo tried to tag along one time to film something, and the director got shot in the thigh with an arrow. (laughs) It was a very, very sort of back and forth thing that really wasn't going anywhere. So, in 1996, after countless attempts to make contact and break ground with the somewhat hostile locals, Hmm. the Indian government declared it a no-go zone and they should just be left alone.
1: Probably a good idea.
0: So, for a long time, nobody was really fucking with them because they didn't know what to do. There are historical accounts of like conflict with uh, outside boats running ashore on the coral and like people coming onto the island. Mm. But basically, in 96, the Indian government was like, you know what? They're so far removed. They're so far out. The best thing is just to let them go. And they declared it a no go zone. So, like, illegally, you could not visit. Wow. The furthest they ever got with them was coconut drop offs with the Sentinelese people. They would sometimes allow them to do it and stick around for a bit, the anthropologists, and other times they'd basically just point the arrows at them and be like, all right, time to fuck off.
1: So the anthropologists were bringing coconuts to the island?
0: They were coming on boats. They never – I don't know if they ever got to actually land on the shore. Mm-hmm. The people would come to the shore to greet them. They tried a few things. They tried to give them gifts to try and break the ground. One time they said they gave them a pig and they speared it and buried it in the sand. They didn't eat it.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> They, they tried, probably had no idea what it was. They
0: tried to give them other things. Uh, and so one thing that they – because they didn't have coconuts on the island. One thing they realized that people love were coconuts. So that was their uh, that was their sort of currency. A so sometimes they would be able to throw them coconuts and sometimes they would have like small impact, like contact with them. And other times it was just basically when a bow and arrow got pointed in your direction that meant it's time to leave. That
1: usually is yeah. what that means.
0: So they weren't necessarily classified as dangerous because you have to, you know, but they were definitely hostile and defensive. Okay. So this is where where we are now. So the centralized people, they still live there. They're still one hundred percent untouched. They're still living traditionally, and it's amazing, honestly. If you could, there's, I mean, there's not that much information to look up, but if you just want to see these people, that you might be familiar with them. They were in the news back in the day. Uh, they shot, I think, it was after the two thousand and four tsunami. When the helicopters were going around and seeing the damage and things like that, they were hovering their helicopter over the island. And there's a famous image of a bunch of Sentinelese. So, the, so the Sentinelese, they think that perhaps they originated from Africa, like mm. back tens of thousands of years ago. So they're very, very black. Mm. Like they're not Indian, and so and they're living no clothes. Mm. Uh, sometimes with uh, paint on their face, like mm. very, very tribal. Okay. And there's this famous shot of uh, a helicopter doing a low sort of recon mission over the shore, and the Central East come running out with longbows and they're firing bow and arrows and throwing spears at the helicopter. Have you Whoa. do you remember seeing that? Ever seeing that?
1: No, I don't think so. I remember something similar in uh, the Amazon. We watched like a documentary yeah. or something about that, but not there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's fascinating. It's, it's one of those things that it's so fascinating, but also like we don't have any right to go there for sure. You know what I mean? So, so anyway, so that's where we are now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had to, you have to give that background of who these people are to really instill like this is not these guys have had limited contact. Every you know there is one guy that comes like there are still communities out there like that that have very little contact with the world, but they still have the modern technologies. These guys are completely off the grid. They're, they're in a time warp. Wow. So this is where John was attempting to go, to spread the word of Christ.
1: Wow. What did he call it again? Satan's last Strong
0: Stronghold on earth.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So despite what appears to be a very reckless and stupid idea to land on the island and convert them, which it was, John had actually put years of planning and preparation into the trip. So it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing at all, okay? Mm, okay? Which doesn't mean it wasn't a bad idea, but it wasn't like he just showed up and was like, you know what, who's the most challenging person I can choose to try and convert? The Sentinelese. Let's do it. So he was aware of the risks, but he saw the rewards of doing God's work far greater than what could possibly happen to him along the way. He had developed a really strong passion towards the Sentinelese from just pouring research and, like, making this his life's mission. In So in 2015 and 2016, he made four trips to the Andaman Islands, which are right next to the North Sentinel Island, to do research. Mm -hmm. So he spent time there. He made contact with Christian groups on the neighboring islands. He started working on his plan. So back in 2015, he was already planning it out and making, like, this is going to be the thing that I do. Okay. In 2017, he attended a missionary version of a boot camp Mm. that was this very super intense training to pretty much metaphorically kick in the door of non-Christians and blast them with the Lord. Like this thing was... Oh, my God. The goal, this Christian boot camp thing was (laughs) very interesting, also took me on a massive side tangent. Their goal was to see Jesus, and I put these in quotes, worshipped by every tongue, tribe, and nation... The boot camp created a wartime mentality, and taught you how to make strategic decisions in the battle we're waging against a real enemy, Satan. The the non-believers.
1: Oh, okay. There was we're the enemy. Yeah,
0: we're the enemy. There was legitimately an exercise. They had you enter a mock village and encounter hostile locals with spears.
1: Oh my God! What was their strategy to get out of that one?
0: I don't know, duck, duck, wave, and dodge. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So this thing was like legitimately like a boot camp for what he was doing. He became obsessed with the idea of converting him. And in October 2018, he started his goal. He traveled to the Andaman Islands and again set up a little base in a safe house. From there, he started preparing for his trip, thinking about how he wanted to make first contact, what he needed to bring, getting everything prepared. He also – now, he kept a very detailed diary of his accounts, which is why there's so much information about his trip, the lead-up to it, and also very, his feelings about it. Mm-hmm. So I've got some quotes which are super interesting. I'm just, there's a lot, but I'm not going to read them all, obviously. But that's why we know so much about the lead-up to the trip and things like that. Mm. Finally, on November 14, John arranged for some fellow Christian fishermen, the contacts he'd made, to take him out to the island.
1: But this is illegal, right? you Sound yes. all together? Okay. So
0: this is illegal. It's
1: breaking the law, but yeah. not the law of the Lord, so it's allowed. I
0: mean, I think the laws the the Lord's law has no boundaries.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I mean, that would probably be a quote in the Bible.
1: <laughs> probably.
0: We're not a Bible podcast, but I reckon someone could probably confirm that.
1: Yeah. It's like Genesis 14:12 or something. Yeah,
0: Exodus or something. I don't know. They always ask those questions on Jeopardy.
1: Yeah. We it's- should know way more about the Bible than we do.
0: Because we watch Jeopardy every we day. we watch
1: so much Jeopardy, and they're always having a category about the Bible.
0: Yeah. So he arranged with some fishermen to take him out to the island. He left at night to avoid being caught by the Coast Guard. So it's illegal to go out there to make contact with them. By the morning of the fifteenth, they approached the island. But the fishermen wouldn't go any closer to the island, so they stopped maybe a mile out from the shore and John had a smaller kayak that he went and took out and went to the shore by himself. As he got closer to the shore, he saw some huts and some uh, canoes. And then he saw some locals starting to gather on the sand. And from his kayak, he, as he approached the shore, he said, he shouted out, My name is John. I love you. And Jesus loves you. Christ gave oh me God. the authority to come to you. Here is some fish.
1: Okay, so it is the Lord's Law. No, it
0: is the Lord's Law. It's the Lord's Law. Well, there you go. And so he brought, some, he brought some gifts and things like that. He brought like sewing kits and like little random thing, and he had some fish with him. So he thought he was going to try and bribe him with the fish. He should have realized he should have brought coconuts.
1: Oh, yeah. He did his research. Yeah. Too. He should have brought coconut ice cream.
0: Oh. You win
1: friends with coconut ice cream. Or coconut water just straight coconut out of the water, bottle. yeah.
0: Mm. So, yeah, that would have been good. So he says, yeah, so I just love that. Jesus Christ gave me authority to come to you. Here are some fish. He saw them, biblical. Yeah, he saw them start to get their bows ready. So he threw the fish into the water and he paddled. He said that he paddled out there basically as quick as he could. So he saw them he, on the shore. Oh, he like left. Yeah, he fucking booked it. He's, yeah. like, so he's like, hey, like I'm here. Like, what's up, Christ? And then just saw one guy just pull out a massive bow and arrow and just like, Start to string it up and you just went, Here's the fish, see ya.
1: But he knows they don't speak English, right? Yeah. So okay. So he was just hoping that the feelings would be communicated. I think he was I just love you. Jesus loves you.
0: Jesus loves you. This it I was, know. he was just going for that, you know, that real vibe.
1: The Jesus vibe. The
0: Jesus vibe. So after taking a little break, so he paddles back to the uh, to the boat that's further out. After taking a little break, he attempted to go back to the shore. And this time, he actually docked on the sand. He brought more gifts and started to approach a hut. The Sentinelese people appeared and they started shouting out. He obviously had no idea what they were saying Mm. because no one speaks their language. So he said he tried to communicate back by mimicking the sounds that he was hearing them say. What? And then they just all started laughing. So they have humor.
1: They well, they probably think it's hilarious. So they
0: were probably like, I know this sounds real bad, they're probably like, wi-dum, wi-dum, wi-dum. and then he was like, oh, uh, and they all went, just start laughing at him. So, <laughs> like, like, there's a
1: random white dude shows up and tries to speak the language. They're probably like, who is this fool?
0: And they got no idea what the language is. They think that even the neighboring islands, there's no, it probably had some kind of root language, maybe, but it's been so far removed that not even the neighboring islands have any closeness to it. So it's completely like no one can communicate with them. Hmm. And they haven't tried, that's the thing, because they've been so isolated. Hmm. So, so they're laughing at him, and he starts to sing hymns. He starts to sing the Jesus songs. Oh, God. And he starts uh, quoting the Bible. And he's got this waterproof Bible, and he's holding it to his chest, and he's singing, and then the next thing he knows, Bing! an arrow hits the Bible. That he's holding. Good shot. Yeah, and it was a child. It was like a kid shot an arrow at him, hits his Bible, and he's like, "Hmm, that's probably not a good sign." So he
1: waterproof Bible.
0: Well, you know, he's out in the water. He's got to make sure that if he. Hits- I, didn't even,
1: I didn't know they made those. They uh, probably, it's they, probably made by Australia.
0: They've probably got everything. <laughs> so why? Because we make. Because you guys pro-
1: produce all the waterproof money, don't you?
0: Yeah. They're so waterproof people. I thought you like have we got in some. In case kind you want to go
1: surfing with like a, a tenor and a Bible yeah. <laughs> in one pocket and the other you'd pocket. You'd be
0: like, Whoa, sweet wave, sweet waves and Genesis sixty <laughs> six. So he gets hit in the um in the Bible with this <laughs> he gets, you know, hit Bible. gets hit in the Bible, but you know, Jesus is protecting him at this stage. So he takes the arrow. I think he says it's something he he actually like removes it and hands it back and throws it back to the boy or something. But then he's like, I should probably go. Mm. And he looks around and his kayak, they, they took his kayak. <gasps> and so he's like, um, okay. So he he hits the water and he has to swim about a mile back to the fishing boat where it was anchored further out to sea. Wow. So that night he wrote in his diary after two failed attempts to convert the Sentinelese. He says, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Mm. He was very aware of of what his attempts were going to lead to. And he even alluded to it in his diary that he thought, like, this might be the last uh, sunset that he ever watches, you know?
1: Well, I guess for him, he knows 100% in his brain that he's definitely going to heaven, right? Because he is such a strong believer. So, yes. So the idea of death is probably not that big of a deal. He's probably okay with it because he gets to meet his Lord and Savior.
0: Yeah. Well, and he's also thinks, like, you know – especially if I'm doing the Lord's work, I've got to get a special spot up there.
1: Yeah, seriously. He's, he's like, I'm getting the golden ticket.
0: So he, wrote, he also wrote, I think I could be more useful alive, but to you, God, I give all the glory of whatever happens. Mm. He asked God to forgive any of the people on the island who try to kill me, especially if they succeed. Mm. He also said, I am scared. There, I said it. Also frustrated and uncertain. Is it worth me going on foot to meet them? Question mark. Lord, let your will be done. If you want me to actually get shot or even killed with an arrow, then so be it. Mm. To you, Lord, I give all the glory of whatever happens. And then in in capital letters, he says, I don't want to die.
1: Whoa, okay.
0: (laughs) Then it says, would it be wiser to leave and let someone else continue? No, I don't think so. I'm stuck there anyway without a passport. And and it almost seems certain death to stay here. And so basically he's... It's kind of.
1: I mean, you can get a new passport. Like yeah. we can. Somebody. I don't know if that was the defining that. moment. You know. <laughs> if that's the problem, like they can hook you up with a yeah, passport. Yeah, We can get that. It sorted. won't be waterproof, but yeah. you can get it.
0: So, so these. Are, I just wanted to read some of that because to give you a little bit of mindset to him. I mean, he's somebody who is very heavily influenced by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next day, November sixteenth, he wakes up in the morning and he decides to take off again for the island. He got the fishermen to drop him off at the shore because he didn't have a kayak. And it was the last time... Oh, wow, they
1: went onto the shore? They they took him
0: closer and they dropped him off and he was determined to spread Christ to the Sentinelese and it was the last time he was ever seen. Wow. So natural conclusions were made that he was more than likely shot with arrows by the Sentinelese. And to this day, his body has never been recovered.
1: They... He could still be on that island, right?
0: I mean, Hypo- technically he could be. But given the track rate of what how they usually had dealt with people who showed up, it was usually uh, killed, with, shot with arrows, mm-hmm. and then buried in the sand. Mm-hmm. And there is there was something – I didn't put it in here, but just from memory – there was something about how the fishermen – because the fishermen got in trouble for taking him out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there was something that the fishermen thought that they saw – that afternoon, possibly the silhouette of like people like burying someone on the sand, oh, okay. but it's never been confirmed. Nothing, and the the Indian government said like this is, you know, you knew the risk, and right. we're not going onto the island to recover. Like we're not doing a murder investigation. Put it that way,
1: and they let him leave twice, and then he came back again a third time. So that's you know kind of putting your luck there. Yeah.
0: So the official word from the police on the Andaman Island. John Allen Chow allegedly got killed at North Sentinel Island during his misplaced adventure in the highly restricted area while trying to interact with the uncontacted people who have a history of vigorous rejection towards outsiders. Mm. So the police people basically said, suck it.
1: <laughs> suck it.
0: Well, I mean, like, I'm not saying this... This is not just like you shouldn't go to this island, like you shouldn't go to Cuba. Right. Like, this is like highly illegal, highly restricted to visit. Right. Because these people have been determined that it's not safe to visit them and it's not in our right to visit them. Totally. So the aftermath of this was very controversial because many people were divided on it, on his mission to convert the Sentinelese, and there weren't a lot of people that had sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to provide too strong of an opinion on that because mm-hmm. I don't want to get caught up in the religious aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But I'll just read you some of the criticisms, and then everyone can, I guess, make their own judgment call. Okay. One major criticism was that John risked infecting the people with simple pathogens mm. that modern life had become immune to.
1: Mm, true.
0: So even though, so it is said that he took like over a dozen different immunizations to go to the islands. Like he did his research and he prepared that. There's like Survival International, or there's some organisation that was pretty critical of him. Saying that even just simple things that we that we have like that we've built up an immunity to over thousands of years could decimate this population. Mm. So like that was one heavy critical thing that like he had no right to visit this island because he could have effectively killed them all. Right. Another was that he broke the rules in engaging the tribe. Rule breaker. So despite knowing the risks and laws in he uh, and was well aware of that. He still went ahead with it anyway, mm-hmm. so it's like you know, it's it's kind of like no different than somebody who decides to go surfing a hundred foot wave, mm-hmm. or do one of those squirrel suits, or any other kind of crazy activity. Totally, he knew he knew enough about the Sentinelese East to know. I did like two hours of research
1: mm-hmm.
0: on the Sentinelese, East, and I knew these aren't you people. Know, don't go there. I know that these are people that you don't want to visit because they will kill you. Mm-hmm. And he went so. There what's you go. what's the thing, uh, and then the other one was uh, obviously like he had no right to access the tribe. So not only was it illegal, but he had no right to go there and trying to convert them, mm-hmm. especially given the fact that they'd chased him off the island twice mm. already. Mm-hmm. Without causing him. But that's
1: what I'm saying. Like, he ar- he got two chances, basically. Without causing him harm. Right. They let him leave twice. They did a very clear warning. If shooting an arrow into your waterproof Bible <laughs> isn't the clearest warning I've ever heard of, then nothing is.
0: Yep. And he, I mean, he reflected on that. You can see, you can find his diary entries online. And he reflected on that and 100% knew the risk. And he mm-hmm. went there and that's what happened. Mm-hmm.
1: And he was prepared to die. It sounds yeah. like.
0: Yeah. So he kind of, like. He didn't
1: want to, though. He said that I don't, explicitly.
0: Yeah, I don't think he wanted to, but I I just honestly think he was just so wrapped up. Which leads me to the last criticism, which is less of him. But a lot of people blame the evangelical church doctrine and the people um that created this extremist view inside him.
1: And that crazy ass boot camp.
0: Yeah, and that and also just that mentality of pushing people like John to the extremes to promote faith. Mm. So they copped a bit of slack as well. Mm. And there was some stuff that come out. Um, yeah, I think there was like just in some quick side note things. There was something about his his parents. Like his his um, mother wrote a statement where she didn't condemn the Sinhalese people, which I think okay, is one hundred percent fair enough. enough yeah. yeah, and I think there was something that came out about his dad, who was also quite disappointed in the people who basically in the evangelical community mm. and like that his parents weren't like that. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Whoa, that would be weird. They must have been somewhat religious, probably. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's some – yeah, I don't want to get too much in. I I've, I can remember some facts that I read about his parents. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't – I can't recall how much is true. There was like something about his dad. I think his dad was a immig- first-generation immigrant. He Im- immigrated from like China, Hong Kong, something like that. Mm-hmm. That was his last. His last name was Chow. Mm-hmm. So I think he was um, Chinese American. Born he John was born in America, but mm-hmm. I think his father was born somewhere China, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. And his father, I don't think, had grown up super like super religious because he'd grown up in. China, so he had more of an Eastern view, mm. whereas John was very, very much indoctrinated in the Western view. Mm-hmm. So I don't think his I don't think his parents were all about it. He just That's like crazy, which is weird because usually these people are the ones that where their parents are yeah. very into it, the kids become into it, right? Uh, but I think that he kind of developed this on his own. Yeah, I don't know. That's anyway, fascinating. So that was the that was it. But that is the story of John Allen Chow and unfortunately lost soul, but. Somebody who knew the full risks of his travel mission decided to take it on and probably shouldn't have taken it on from a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And that is one uh, voyage that definitely did not turn out successful.:
1: Yes, that is a fascinating story. That was a really good one. Yeah Thank and, you the, so and much I just want to
0: um, I'm going to put links to this in the show notes in com. but there are two articles I want to give credit to. One was from The Guardian. And one was a really good article. Do you know Outside Online, Outside or something like that? Anyway, it was a really interesting article, and I put links to both of those two. Uh, I haven't got the authors. Apologise, but you'll get links. You'll get credit. Hmm. They were really, they were really good articles.
1: Okay. Wow, that is such an interesting story. I do remember that from when it happened, and we've talked about it before. But I did not know that. All, I didn't realise he had done three attempts.
0: Yeah, it was I I knew so little about this story. I knew that there was a guy who cuz he got slammed afterwards. Like that's mm. mostly how I heard about it. people were like this guy's a fucking idiot. Da-da-da. Like yeah, people got really really heated about it. Mm-hmm. And that's and it became quite a viral story. You know, American missionary tries to convert locals and dies. It's a huge headline. Yeah. Like for a sure. massive very attention-grabbing headline. And so I remember the story when it happened. But I just I guess I didn't look into it. And the more I looked into it, the more I was just fascinated by these people. Like mm-hmm. as travelers and as people who have traveled the world for a long time, that idea, that fantastical idea of encountering ancient tribes is so lost. Like mm-hmm. it's the ultimate explorer expedition. And mm-hmm. it was just, yeah, really, really fascinating. So I, I would encourage you to to check out those links. If you're interested in the story. On our show notes. And yeah, look it up. Like, look up who some picture of these people and some video. And there's very limited stuff, but the stuff you find is just fascinating. Like, it would just be so interesting to go there.
1: I'm definitely going to look that up. And I also want to look up what that um, uh, missionary boot camp is. Yes. That's just, yes, we should crazy. look that up. I, did,
0: I only looked it up a little bit. We should look it, I'm, I would. I want to see a video. I want to see a video of, you know, how in, uh, FBI training centers, or you've seen sometimes like the movies. They have the fake; it's kind of like a movie set, and it's got mm-hmm. the doors and stuff. And then it will be—it's like you know, one of the—I'm I'm thinking a Point Break right here. It's okay. you know, the bad guy comes out, and you have to shoot the bad guy, and you can't. And then man like the, man in Black, and then the innocent hostage. Come, yes, and then the innocent <laughs> hostage comes out, and you can't shoot them. And it's like you have to make the decisions, and you have to work your way through some kind of obstacle course. I want to see that, but with Jesus stuff. And so you walk in there and you you bust in and then you've just got a stack of Bibles underneath you. And then this guy comes out and he's just like, hey, man, you want some drugs? And you're like, take that. And you throw a Bible and you smash him in the head. And then you like got to kick a door in and then you like got to keep going. And then someone comes out and they're like, praise the Lord. And you're like, hold back. Okay, uh-huh. amen, amen, brother and sister. And then you know the next person just like, hey, let's have sex. Oh, take that. And you throw another Bible at me, kick a door in and – wouldn't that be amazing?
1: Uh, that would be amazing. I bet they have that at that point. Oh book my camp. God.
0: We have, to, we have to find these videos. We must find and if that. they don't have it, we'll make one.
1: We can make one for you guys. Don't worry.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. That story. Wow. That was a long one today. That was a good one. It was do a good one. Do we want
1: to do mine? How long was it? What about
0: for? if we just do our in the news today and okay. we'll save yours for next week?
1: That sounds good.
0: Well, we're running at about 40 minutes, well, 41. So we could do our, I've got an in the news. We could do your in the news and we could save your main story for next week.
1: I'm here for that.
0: Okay. Okay, then so it is. We will tell your main story. Can you give me can you give me and the voyagers a hint as to what your story was going to be? What they're going to what are they going to hear about next week?
1: I can give you a little taste. If you
0: decide to tell the story.
1: Yes. The story is called The Disappearance of Sean Flynn. Oh. So Sean Flynn was actually the son of Errol Flynn. Do you know who that is?
0: Oh yeah, the um hustler guy.
1: Yeah, he's a, uh, well, he's an actor. He was an actor in like the 30s and 40s. He was Australian-American. Oh, okay. Errol Flynn. The names are really familiar to me.
0: Who's the guy who made Hustler? Hustler? The magazine. You know Hustler, the nudie magazine?
1: I don't think that was the same guy. Oh, Okay. But anyway, so Sean Flynn was a war journalist.
0: Oh, that's totally cool. The
1: reason I wanted to tell the story is because we have a new segment on this podcast called Voyager Chats, where we actually bring travelers on the podcast and they tell us their crazy travel stories of when shit goes wrong on the road.
0: Yes. Now we've been talking about this. Sorry, just a it's Larry Flint. That oh, was Hustler. Larry Flint. Yeah. yeah okay. So it was way different. Yeah. So, yes, so that, well, that would have been very convenient timing because, as Christine was saying, now we talked about doing this originally. We were sure, like, do we want to have guests on the show? Do we not? And we always thought, you know, we can always open it up if we get some people who have some very good stories to tell and are good storytellers because, you know, we're pretty good storytellers. We're not bad. We're not bad. And it's happening.
1: It's all happening, guys.
0: It's all happening. You'll be getting this podcast on Monday. And on Thursday, you're going to be getting another episode because we are officially launching the Voyager chat series where we have some guests come on and tell some crazy stories. And this week, the bar is set extremely high because we have a journalist coming on to talk about some stuff that is insane.
1: Russian mobsters, the Taliban getting shot at so many stories so many stories he is insane
0: yeah our guest this week is really really interesting Uh, he's a fellow podcast host you'll have to tune in on Thursday to listen to it but we're very excited about uh, this series and we have some more guests lined up already that have some great stories and so, yeah, we're going to drop episodes every two weeks at, to start off with. If we get more, we'll just keep it going. But the Voyager chat series dropping on Thursday, it's going to be amazing. If you subscribe to the podcast or if you follow us on Spotify, it'll just automatically download. You don't have to do anything else. It's very simple. It's still part of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. It's just a little extra bonus we want to give you guys.
1: Yeah. Just for your ears,
0: for your ear holes, <laughs> for
1: your ear holes. Okay. So, so we're interviewing a journalist who has worked in war zones. So that inspired me to do the disappearance of Sean Flynn, who was also a journalist who
0: worked in war zones. Okay. Well, you'll have to tune in another week so to find that. Yes. Let's do out in the news now, and then let's wrap it up.
1: Why well, I already told my in the news? It's that you have crabs.
0: Oh, oh <laughs> no,
1: no, okay. So I called. I called it. You've got crabs because I thought that was really funny. And then I wrote, "That's my news, everybody." Jules has crabs. And then I, I wrote, like that. LOL, JK. <laughs> no, Jules doesn't have crabs. Uh, well, if I
0: got crabs, you got crabs. So. Uh, oh
1: God, no way, man. Um. So this story is from June of two thousand eighteen. At an airport in the Bahamas, travelers were waiting for their baggage when the luggage carousel became flooded with crabs, Mm. living, scuttling, sideways-walking crabs.
0: Were they on the the belt?
1: They were on – I don't know if they were on the belt that comes down, but they were on the carousel that goes around.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean, like the thing. They
1: were on there. They were coming off, they were going in circles, they were going around like luggage, you know, they're on people's Samsonite bags, it was crazy.
0: Wow, that would have been quite the sight to see.
1: Well, luckily there is a video, so I will be posting the video in our show notes and on the webpage and all the good things such as that.
0: Such as that. Well, I, I want to see this video now.
1: So basically, I can show you right now. So basically, someone had a cooler full of live crabs. I guess they flew with it, which is bizarre to me, but okay. And it popped open on the carousel. And you can see this guy trying to wrangle his crabs (laughs) back into the cooler. And they're just like scuttling everywhere.
0: That is hilarious.
1: I don't know if you're allowed to travel with live crabs. Definitely Hmm. seems like you can't. We've had
0: a lot of people travel with scorpions. Accidentally. Unsc- accidentally, we know about some. We've told some stories of people smuggling certain items, like turtles or snakes and things like that. But never heard about a cooler full of crabs. So that's what? a that's a that's a new one.
1: I don't know what he was planning on doing with the crabs, but something, I guess. Maybe he didn't have them. I suppose. What else do you do with crabs? Yeah.
0: What would what else would be something crazy to see if you had to see anything come out of the luggage carousel? What would be the worst thing that you think you could see?
1: Oh, uh, the worst thing I would see is like some sort of um endangered animal that's being trafficked. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I'm, let's keep it a bit more lighthearted. <laughs> okay. Christine's just like, "Oh, I'd hate to see somebody with their head cut off." Yeah, that would probably be the worst thing. No,
1: the animals would be worse for me.
0: Yeah, probably. No, I'm okay. Let's not keep it that dark. I'm talking about what would be like Fun, fun bad.
1: Um, scorpions would definitely be terrible. Spiders, also not good. I'm but- picturing
0: spiders like a shit ton of big spiders like tarantulas just coming out. That'd I be think like a horror movie. It- snakes. Snakes they're quick. Snakes getting off a plane. That's snakes the sequel. getting
1: off the plane.
0: First, snakes in first, the
1: luggage carousel.
0: First one, snakes on a plane. Then the sequel, snakes, get, snakes getting off the plane.
1: I mean, they have to get off the plane if they're on the plane. Yeah, exactly. they got to get where they're going. They... And then
0: we get an origin story, which is like snakes booking flights. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's the trilogy.
1: Okay, so here is the uh, video.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, wow, they're pretty big crabs.
1: They are big crabs.
0: Ugh, there's a lot of them. How big was the cooler? Okay, so what we're seeing is just one of your standard, your typical uh, luggage carousels. It's it's not the rubber belt. This one is the the steel one. Steel, like metal, the yeah. The steel metal one that has a bit of a slant. And there are dozens and dozens, dozens of, of crabs, crabs just chilling. And then there was some guy with a cooler and he's trying to scoop them all up.
1: I don't know. Maybe he's just doing a free-for-all. Maybe they weren't yeah. even his crabs. Maybe might, he's like, free crabs.
0: Free crabs? All right.
1: It's a free crab day at the airport. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, guys. It's International Crab Day. Let them loose. They are loose. Okay. Well, that is, I mean, crabs are like the spiders of the ocean.
1: That's true. I would not want to deal with a crab.
0: I'd prefer a crab over a spider. I'm not that fussed about crabs.
1: Yeah. Because- I'm a cancer.
0: I you know... Shout out to all my crabs.
1: Remember when we were were in the Corn Islands and we did a bonfire at the beach and then when we were walking back to town, we were walking in the dark and we shone our light and we realized that the whole path was covered in crabs, like hundreds of crabs right where we were stepping and we had to like dance around them basically.
0: Yeah, and then when we were quiet, we could just hear a constant like just a scuttling sound and then when we shot the light... On the path, it was like, oh, there's a shit ton of crabs here.
1: Hundreds of crabs. Hundreds
0: of crabs. I think
1: they were going on our
0: feet. Mm. And we were trying not to step on them, mostly.
1: Yeah, I know. Poor crabbies. Poor
0: crabs. Uh, That's a funny in the news. <laughs> uh, My in the news is, well, I was going to say it's not crab related, actually. It's water. Little lobsters. No, it's what it's lobsters. You'll never <laughs> guess it. There was lobsters on a carousel.
1: Oh, those no, quirky was, lobsters.
0: They were on um the the escalators, you know, the things uh, that go yeah. through the airport.
1: The moving sidewalk yeah. people mover.
0: Yeah, the people movers.
1: Lobster mover.
0: My story is a little bit more recent. It comes from a uh, shout out to Chris Waddell, comes from a longtime listener in Voyager. So, Chris, thank you for sending in this story. It's corona-related because, let's be honest, everything is these days. Mm. But it is, it's not that bad. It's like not super heavy. It's about a couple called Eleanor and Ryan who, in 2017, they quit their job and bought a boat, and they decided to sail around the world. So they've been on a boat for a few years. I guess they stop off at different places. I don't know if they sail full-time. It's irrelevant. doesn't really matter. <laughs> but they've got a boat in 2017. So they're jumping around from islands to islands and port to port, living the dream. Not Christine's dream, but at least their dream. It's, it's Christine doesn't like to sail. If it,
1: well, if I didn't get seasick, then I would be definitely my dream. I would love that. Well, and just it, be away from everybody. Go that'd ahead. be nice. Get me out of here. <laughs>
0: so it is February, and they're on a they're on their boat. They know of coronavirus, but remember, how, like coronavirus went so quickly.
1: Yes, it really escalated quickly. So in
0: February, at that stage, it's mostly just mostly just running rampant in China. It's not really doing too much, you know, to the rest of the world. And so they're like, yep, all good. So they continue with their adventures. They plan to spend the next 25 days sailing towards the Caribbean. So they're completely out of Wi-Fi and signal. No new information coming into them. Away they go. So all is great. Unbeknown to them that the rest of the world is basically shit itself because of COVID. So when they arrived in the Caribbean, they found out that all the borders had been closed. And they had no idea what was going on. And that they couldn't get into an island Whoa. And they were denied entry to Granada and they sailed basically around until they found some 4G service and they nice. were able to find out what was going on in the world. They tried to land in St. Vincent and they had a lot of trouble because Eleanor is Italian and they were like Whoa. every because that's when Ita- Italy was starting to get crushed. So they're like, oh, you've got an Italian passport. No, 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 no. No, no way. No go. And but luckily, because that you know they've got a boat, they've got GPS. They were able to prove where they'd been for the last 25 days and basically prove that they're in the best type of quarantine available, which is out to sea. Mm. <laughs> so they were luckily able to use their GPS to say, hey, this is where we've been. We haven't been, first of all, we haven't been anywhere near Italy. Second of all, we spent the last three and a half weeks on a boat. Right. So we're all good. And they were able to land in St. Vincent.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: And now I guess they have to stay there because their options are kind of limited because they're coming into hurricane season and oh. they've got the virus and so they pretty much have to stay at the island. They
1: have the virus?
0: No, no, sorry. They had like they they said that they're stuck between like leaving and entering a world with the virus mm. or like staying like they they can't really go anywhere because they've got the hurricane ca- season coming up so yeah. they can't sail. Right. And then there's the virus and so they're pretty much just stuck on St. Vincent.
1: I imagine it's expensive there. Probably Gander, is. I guess.
0: Yeah, they have their boat. Probably oh, stay on they're, that. they're staying on the boat. Yeah. Okay. But yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, I hope, I'm glad they got to settle somewhere. So
0: that was uh, just a quick in the news. And it, it, it gave me, uh, made me think about that question again. I think we talked about a few weeks ago that if you're going to be quarantined somewhere in the world, where would you want to be? I think the Caribbean wouldn't be too shabby.
1: Not too shabby.
0: Not too shabby.
1: I think, like, an overwater bungalow in the Maldives could be nice.
0: Well, what happened to those South Africans that were quarantined oh, there? Oh, yeah.
1: I need to do an update. I'll do an update next week. I'll find out what happened.
0: Yeah. It was a bit story. A few episodes ago, we talked about a South African couple who had the whole island to themselves.
1: Yes. And all the staff was still working, and they were just serving this one couple.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs> it would
1: be hilarious.
0: Nice. Well, that's it. I mean, we, we try to keep it corona-free.
1: We tried, but we didn't, since we didn't make it happen. No, since
0: whenever, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, okay, well, we we will have to tell your main story mm-hmm. next week or at a different time, but we're going to wrap it up for here today because we've got so many things to do for the podcast. The podcast is just – look, it, honestly, I just want to take this moment to say strength to strength, the podcast at the moment. Each mm. week it's growing. We're growing, and we're growing because we've got more amazing voyagers like you guys listening in. Every week, and you're sharing the podcast. We know some of you are, and if you're not, start doing it. Please do it. But we know you are because people, more people are listening every week. More people are listening. They're tuning in.
1: Just tell one person. Tell one person. Do
0: or tell two. But anyway,
1: (laughs) or three. Whatever. Or three.
0: But we just want to say thanks once again to all the voyagers who are out there who are supporting us week in and week out. And if you're a new voyager for the first time listening, hey. We love you all the same, and thanks. Keep sharing the podcast. We'd love it if you could tell a friend about it, and just give them, you know, it's a bit of lighthearted entertainment yeah. in this time of need.
1: We all need some lighthearted entertainment because you can only watch Tiger King so many times.
0: That's it. And we just want to also remind you that on Thursday, if you are subscribed to our podcast or if you're following us on Spotify or, or Google or any other podcast app, you will get a new episode, bang. You'll wake up in the morning, and you'll have our very first voyager chat series episode and we are very excited about that we're ironing out kinks it's going to be a process but we're very excited to bring you a new episode in a new format and we'd love to hear what you think about it that would be a rad episode you guys the stories are insane it is amazing you're gonna love it only our guests could tell them so that's why it works out perfectly yeah so yeah very excited to hear what you guys think about that so be sure to drop us a line and that's it, guys. In, uh, in these crazy times, stay safe. And if you're not...
1: Make sure you tell us about it.
0: Peace. Bye, bitch.